is up everybody welcome to another episode of the taxi squad dynasty pod my name's tyler my co-host is austin what's up austin how are you doing i am so great tyler it's great to be back here recording again for the second time psyched for this pod awesome well it's nfl playoff season i'm assuming you've been watching all the games and getting hyped your Chiefs aren't playing yet, but you kind of know what's, what's coming down the pipeline now, so that's exciting. Uh, how are you feeling about the, the playoffs yeah, so far? Yeah, you know, I feel I feel good about it because there's been a lot of near upsets. I don't know how many of the games you've watched, Tyler, but um, the uh, the Dolphins almost knocked off the Bills. That was cool. Uh, the Ravens got so close, like inches, literally inches away from knocking off the Bengals. That was that was an exciting game to watch. I mean, there's been a, there's been some really good games so far. And as a Chiefs fan, I mean, it makes me happy that we're not playing in wild card weekend so we can avoid more of the chance of these upsets. I know, right? My goodness. So I'm I'm a Bengals fan and I was sweating it out. My my goodness. Like what what in the world was that? No Lamar Jackson and the game was still that close. I didn't see that coming. <laughs> that one play i i know they showed it on the screen it was when uh tyler huntley was trying to reach the ball over the goal line and score a touchdown and the ball got swatted out of his hands and the i think it was a d-line guy ended up running it all the way back for a 98 98 yard touchdown or fumble return touchdown i uh, mean it was one of the biggest game swings that i've ever seen it was really fun did you, did you see mark andrews chasing him down too looking like dk metcalf a couple years years ago and thank heavens they didn't call that push in the back, or he probably probably would have caught him, and or at least got the penalty, or who knows, man. But yeah, it's playoff time. Yeah, it's been it's been, it's been really really fun. These games have been great, and they're just gonna get better and better as we get deeper into the playoffs. Oh, I am I'm psyched about it. I just I I can't wait to see more. That's 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 where I'm at. I, I have another game going on. We're recording in the middle of the uh, Buccaneers-Cowboys game. So we have no idea how that's going to end. The score was 12-0 last time I checked. Cowboys were up, but we'll see what happens. We'll see. We'll see. Well, with that, how about we jump into our news real quick? Um, we've already kind of been talking about a little bit, but I'll just jump straight into things. So the Bengals beat the Ravens, like I, like I mentioned. Um, in my opinion, the biggest news of that game wasn't actually the outcome of the game or anything that happened in the game. It was that Lamar Jackson was on the sidelines. That I mean, I don't know, man. I it's not looking good for for Lamar Jackson in Baltimore. I sheesh. And some of the stuff that some of the teammates said after the game, like J.K. Dobbins, was pretty pretty heated. He was pretty mad yeah. that, that Lamar didn't play. I was gonna bring up the that. Dobbins quote. Yeah, if, if you have a yeah, up, I man, think he basically just said we would have won if Lamar had played. Yeah, like oh geez, if you're Tyler Huntley, like that that doesn't feel good. But at the same time, like you got to think like they only lose by one touchdown and like just by a few inches, like you said, like Lamar plays, I, there is a good chance they win that game, a, a really good chance, and. I don't know what the feelings in the front office, let alone the locker room, are going to be like towards Lamar. 
because I I think he could have played like that. That's just speculation, but I think I think it's gonna get ugly, man. I would at this point I don't I just don't see how how Lamar goes into next season playing for the Ravens. I, even if they franchise tag him, he's gonna sit. What do you think? Yeah, I think yeah. One of the big unfortunate things that I'm seeing with that is that there's a lot of drama as along with the business side of the the transaction. The business side is Lamar wants a lot of money. And he deserves a lot of money. He's an excellent quarterback. However, on the other side of that, there's a lot of drama that's associated with it too. And it's hard to mix those two. And I honestly think that Lamar, um, when he didn't get the giant deal done last offseason, I think he said to himself, all right, now I need to prove it to the, the Ravens. And now that he had, he started off really hot this season. And then he kind of tapered off and he had a lot of injuries going into the latter half of the season. And so I think that they're not going to be willing to pay up for the amount that he wants, and he's not going to be willing to play uh, for a a smaller deal. So I think that they're going to be done. I think he's going to have to go somewhere else. I I mean, we could talk all day about places where he could go, but I think that Lamar is still going to be just as great no matter where he goes. Yeah, I I agree. I I don't think you change his fantasy value at all, depending on where he goes. We we just have to hope that they do trade him sooner rather than later so we're not faced with a lockout or something. Um, or not a lockout, but him him j- just deciding not to play and, and we miss games going into next season. So, anyways, um, I'll, I'll move on in, into some other games. The Jags beat the Chargers. Holy moly, did you see, did you see the comeback? Whew. <laughs> yeah, I did. That, I mean, that was just... That insane. was fun to watch. Yeah, my word. And... How in the world, like, the reports are that the Chargers aren't going to fire their coach. And I just think, I mean, how in the world, like, you have to you have to fire him. Like, if you remember last season, um, the end of the season, that Raiders game, um, they, if they won or tied, then the Chargers go into the playoffs. And it's a tie game late and the Chargers called those timeouts, like saving the Raiders' butts so that the Raiders could tie it up, put it into overtime, and win the game. Like He pulls that off last season to get him kicked out, and then he does this. And I mean, I just, I don't, I don't see how they, I just, I just don't get it, man. I, I don't get it. That, that team looks broken to me. You know, I saw a few tweets out there saying that they were already announcing that they were going to roll with Brandon Staley. I just, I feel like that's the wrong move, just personally. You know, they might d- decide to stick with him. They might say, hey, there were other factors that went into that. Maybe he gets someone else who's going to babysit him during games like the Broncos had with uh, What's-His-Face. Didn't they have someone that was advising him on play calls during the game? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't remember who it was, but I, I know what you're talking about, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, anyway, I I think that honestly, I think it's time for them to stop wasting Justin Herbert's best years as a quarterback, and to get him a uh, coach that's really going to win it all. And I, you know, there, I think that Sean Payton is one of those guys that could really make take that franchise to the next level. And I I could see it happening. I think there's a, there's definitely a route for that to happen. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. I I I really wish that they would get a new coach. Get somebody in there that. We'll let Justin Field really push the ball downfield. Like he's, 
in my opinion, he's a top three, top five at worst quarterback in the league, and they just can't figure it out. And when you have that much talent on a team and they can't win, in my opinion, it's the coach. So, anyways, we'll get on to, to some more. Uh, the 49ers beat the Seahawks. Not a lot of drama in that game other than Brock Purdy was insane. Um, yeah. I'm wondering real quick, what is what do you think that means for Trey Lance? Do, do you honestly see Brock Purdy as the starter next year, or is it still the Trey Lance show? You know, I really buy into the take that Trey Lance is still going to get his shot next year. Um the question is, how big of a shot is it? Because right when he got drafted, everyone knew he was going to get at least two seasons to prove it, to be the guy. And I think that that's been shortened down to about six to eight games. I think that he's going to come in, he's going to be the day one starter. And if he doesn't do it in those six to eight games, they have the viable backup that's still on his rookie deal. Um who the fan base, you know, if, if, you know, Trey Lance looks so bad over a couple of games, the fan base is going to be clamoring for them to move to him. Whereas if they start with Brock Purdy, then there's this big question of, well, what happened to that big investment? What happened to those draft picks? How could we lose out all of that? And if Brock Purdy fails, it'll show disorganization. I think that they got to start with Lance and he has a chance to prove it. But Brock Purdy's going to be sitting there watching him the whole time, ready to take over. I couldn't agree more. So tell me, this offseason, are you buying Trey Lance or are you buying Brock Purdy? Or not? Oh, man. You know, it, uh, it, uh, it all depends on how much panic someone else has. If someone is really big on Brock Purdy and they're just saying, Trey Lance, I'll sell, sell him to you for a second-round pick, uh, I would pay a second-round pick for Trey Lance any day because he still has the potential to be Lamar Jackson. He still could be a Jalen Hurts. Uh, on the off, on the other hand of that, he could also be nobody. He could end up losing his job to Brock Purdy. He could be a Malik Willis in a year, you know, where, where we see, oh, well, maybe he could be good, but he's not right now. And so uh, I, would, I, I think it, it depends on the price. If it were close to like a second-round pick, I'd be picking him up all the time, all over the place. I, I think that's a good process. I I might pay a first for him. Uh, if, if I'm projecting somebody to say it's, it's a late first, I, I think I might do it for Trey Lance. I would, I would take the risk. It, it, there is a risk, but, man, with the weapons on the 49ers, I mean, I went back and watched some of those throws that Purdy made. I don't, I don't think he's that great of a quarterback. I'm, I'm not trying to downplay it, but, I mean, those weapons – could make anybody look pretty darn good in my opinion and I, I think I'd be buying Trey Lance right now even for a first if it fits a, a, a late first I think, I think I'd do it yeah I, I tend to think that Brock Purdy might be closer to Jimmy G than we're all willing to admit um, if you remember back when Jimmy G had that one you know five game stretch where he won the, the final five games of the season that he was uh, traded over to the Niners and everyone was just clamoring over Jimmy G you know Brock Purdy's I'm sure that he's decent I'm sure that he uh he's at least at least um as good as like a Kirk Cousins but I think that his ceiling and his floor might be pretty close together so I'm not terribly excited if I have 
uh, Brock Purdy, like if I, you know, if I was going to do a startup draft, I wouldn't necessarily be targeting Brock Purdy. Um, but, he, you know, he's definitely showing out right now in the playoffs, and that's fun to watch. Yeah, for sure. Well, the, the next game would be the, the Bills beating the Dolphins. Honestly, I mean, it, it was a closer game than I thought it would, it would be, but not a whole lot of drama in terms of fantasy. Um, the Giants also beat the Vikings. Saquon looked really good. He had two touchdowns. I guess the one that we maybe need to revisit is Isaiah Hodgins goes for eight receptions, 105 yards, and a touchdown. Does that change your opinion of Isaiah Hodgins? Is he fantasy relevant? Do you want him on your roster going into next season? What do you think? You know, I watched this game, and Isaiah Hodgins, he didn't ever seem like he was really like beating out crazy defenders, but he was getting into space a lot, which was good. I think that he um, has the ceiling of being a wide receiver too, probably a mid-wide receiver too, if everything went perfectly his way in a season. Um, and I you know, I don't think that Wandale Robinson is going to do anything meaningful next season because it'll be his first one back from his ACL. However, I, you know, I, I think that they have to do some kind of improvements in the wide receiver room. If I had to guess, I'd say he's closer to a wide receiver three next year, which is better than I thought, you know, before we recorded or before I watched this game. And so I, I think that's kind of where he's going to end up being as a wide receiver three next year. And so I'm, I'm, I'm definitely more sold than I was during our last recording. Yeah, for sure. I, I don't know. I, I, I would not go buy him until after the, the draft. I, I would wait and see what they add to the wide receiver room first before I go and buy him. Um, yeah, I, buying him now, it's just too risky in my opinion. He, he looked good, but we'll see. Um, the other one, Daniel Jones, 24 for 35, 301 yards, two touchdowns. He also rushed for another 78 yards. Are you in on Daniel Jones? He finishes as a top 10 quarterback oh, on the man. season. They're going to keep him another year. He looked pretty good. What What do you think? You you want him? I think that Daniel Jones has done the minimum necessary to get uh, to get the, the, the deal that quarterbacks get these days, where he's going to get 35 maybe million a year, and he's going to – He's going to stick around for another probably three years. I bet it'll be like a three or four year deal with the Giants. And uh, I don't I don't necessarily think that he's going to take his team anywhere significant in the playoffs. You know, this is going to be a really fun sound bit if they go to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl. But <laughs> I don't think that he's going to take his team anywhere significant in the playoffs for his whole career. But I think that he's he's fantasy relevant. I think that he's he's clearly a, at least a like, a, you know, high-end two, low-end quarterback one. And he's got the rushing upside to, to be even better, to be a top six. I agree. You know, I, the more I think about it, the more I think, you know, you don't want him as your QB1. Like, I, you're going into a season as with him as your QB1, I think you're set up to fail. If he's your QB2, I I would really, really like that. In fact, I would, I think I'd, I would go and try and buy him right now. Like, th there's still a lot of stink on his name. Like, guys just don't value Daniel Jones. And and I get it. Like, he hasn't looked really good up until this point in his career. But, I mean, it's kind of hard to bet against that offense, against 
you know Brian Dable and and what he's done and I I think you'd be smart to go and pick him up as a QB two QB three on on your roster right now if if you know somebody in your league still thinks that oh, it's Daniel Jones I don't really care so. right yeah I totally agree yeah if you have someone who who still thinks that about Daniel Jones they're probably not paying very much attention to uh, to the raw data and they're, they're probably a good one to go take advantage of throwing them some offers so definitely worth your time right well that that's what we have for for the news all right I'm, I'm i'm missing something but austin i, I think it's time for you to, to take us into some keep trade cut yep i'm excited to talk a little bit about them so keep trade cut risers and fallers i um i may have um uh, overestimated how often they refresh these risers and fallers because when you go on keep trade cut they appear to be the same 10 names that we mentioned last <laughs> week <laughs> which is great it's good it makes good makes good content you know but um but I, th- I thought we could you know maybe talk a little bit more about who because last time we dove into who these top five risers and top five fallers were and then we talked about the riser of the week and the face planner of the week i thought we'd be talking about the second highest riser and the second highest second lowest faller of the week so that way we could uh get a little bit more in-depth analysis on all these guys so you you know we could just do a little refresh on who these guys are so uh chigosium okuono uh the tight end from tennessee cam Akers, brock purdy jarrett stidham and isaiah hodgins these are your risers these are your guys who are on the move getting up there in the rankings so last week we talked a lot about Isaiah Hodgins and we just barely talked about him again. We don't need to draw, keep keep going on that one. But let's talk a little bit about Jarrett Stidham. I think he's worth a conversation about him. Uh, Jarrett Stidham, the quarterback that is currently starting for the Raiders. You know, the, their season is over, but they rolled with him for their last two games. And what do you think, Tyler? So right now, let me just uh, see who's nearby him, what he's what he's worth right now. So some value-adjacent quarterbacks are Mike White from the Jets and Jameis Winston. So where do you value Jarrett Stidham? Do you think he's worth that? Do you think he's worth less than that? Would you trade him? Would you buy him right now? Where are you at with Jarrett Stidham? You know, I I don't think I'd be going and buying him. Um, you know, I mean... If you could pick him up for a third, okay, sure. I I guess I could I could buy him for that. If if he's on my roster, I, I wouldn't cut him. Um, I think he's somebody that you want to stash right now. And I would wait and see what happens in the off season. I would see what happens around NFL draft time. For all we know, he's the starting quarterback on the Raiders going into next season. And if you stashed him, that's a good asset going into next season. Um, at the very worst, you know, the, they pick up some other quarterback. They, they trade Derek Carr and, and pick up another quarterback. They draft another quarterback. And you go into next season and cut him, whatever. He, he's just a backup. And, you know, you didn't lose anything. But if he's on your roster, if he's on waivers, I would probably pick him up um, and stash him right now is what I'd be trying to do. Yeah, I think that's a good take. And then going back to it how do you value him compared to mike white and Jameis winston you had to rank those three guys in dynasty value well i here's the thing that there has been a lot of hype around mike white go look at his stats he's not it like 
Mike White is not going to be the guy that <laughs> saves the Jets. I'm sorry, but he's not. Um, it was a cool story, he, but I, he's he's not it for the Jets. Like, I, I would I would probably value him above Mike White. Um, Jameis Winston, that's an interesting one. He dealt with injuries throughout the season, um, but then when he came back from injury, they didn't give him his job back. New Orleans, you know, keeps rolling with Andy Dalton. Um, but on the flip side, Jameis Winston has shown throughout his career that he has the talent and the upside to be a, a fantasy quarterback. So I, I would probably say I'd I'd prefer to have him. Um, but I mean, I, I don't think that value, you know, being sandwiched between those two guys is necessarily bad value. What do you think? Yeah, you know, I think out of all three of those guys, I think Jameis still has the greatest raw talent. I think that if you had to take a bet on any of these guys to end up becoming really fantasy relevant, because none of these guys are relevant quarterbacks. You're not starting any of these guys. You're hoping that they might get somewhere in the future. And so I think that, you know, out of the three, the only one that I really see that has um, long-term upside could be Jameis Winston. With as a guy who was a previous, I think he was number one overall pick mm-hmm. to the Bucks, yeah. um, and a guy who has, you know, he's demonstrated some good qualities in the past. He could definitely come back and be that guy in the future. There's a chance that he's not. You know, there's a reason why he's valued so low. So, I I think I agree with you that Jameis could still be worth something. Um, but I, I don't necessarily buy too hard into the Jarrett Stidham hype either. I think he'll I think he'll probably be a decent replacement uh, quarterback in real football. Who knows if he's going to be fantasy relevant after the season's over. Yeah. If, if your roster is deep enough to stash him, great. You know, if, if you're in a, sh- a more shallow league, you don't need to keep him on your roster. That That's where I stand. Yeah, I think that's fair. All right, top five fallers. Let's go over these guys again. So we have Malik Willis, Corderell Patterson, Taylor Heineke, Matt Ryan and Tua Tagovailoa. So we talked a little bit about Tua. We talked about his concussions and everything last week. Uh, this week, let's take a dive into our second uh, lowest faller, which is Matt Ryan, quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. Right now, he uh, is worth almost nothing uh, on keep trade cut. People are basically valuing him as one of the worst quarterbacks in fantasy uh do you think that's fair do you think that there that he has a chance to come back and be relevant do you think that he's garbage what do you think i think he's done <laughs> that's what i think i i think he's washed i think the age caught up to him his last year in atlanta um you know he had a lot of volume and i think that kind of supported some of his numbers um b- but even then he was not an efficient quarterback and you know, last season or that th- this past season in Indianapolis, um, he he just he just wasn't good. He's he's not efficient enough, and I think the Colts know that. They knew that he wasn't efficient. That they knew that, that he didn't have it anymore, which is why they they went away from him. And I, I don't think at his age he's going to come back. Um, and even if he does, I I don't think he has it in him to be fantasy relevant anymore. Yeah, I tend to agree. I think that, you know, even even at like the furthest stretch of the imagination, Matt Ryan is a guy that has long passed the greatest part of his career. 
and unfortunately will never taste the sweet victory of a Super Bowl win. Um, even though he got so close. <laughs> yeah, you, you gotta you gotta give him a little Talking hate like for that. Not a Patriots fan. Not even close. I hate the Patriots, but the Chiefs are becoming the Patriots. <laughs> Indeed they are. All right. That does it for our keep trade cut, risers and fallers. Tyler, I'm ready to hear about a rookie. Who's our who's our lucky rookie of the week? Yeah, let, let's let's get into some rookie talk. So I've I've still been doing a bunch of film study. Um, I've gone over a bunch of the wide receiver class at this point. Um, basically, anybody who I think will be fantasy relevant in terms of the wide receiver class, um, I've film grabbed them, graded them at this point. And like I mentioned last week. I think there's three elite wide receivers in this class. Um, last week, we talked about Quentin Johnston. Um, this week, I want to talk to you about Jordan Addison. Um, he is one of those one of those top top three. Um, he's, man, I'm, I'll tell you what, like his film is incredible. I, I'm a Utah fan, and so I hate USC. So I went into this whole process just planning on hating Jordan Addison because he played, he played for USC. He's a dirt bag that took the, the NIL deal and whatever. Like <laughs> I'm telling you though, man, his film is absolutely unreal. Um, and if, if we get into it just, just a little bit, like his, his, his profile, um, he is, he, he is super, super impressive. Um, j- just to give you a little bit of background on him, so he is six feet, 170 pounds, um, likely going to run a sub 4-4. Um, his 2021 season at Pitt when he won the Blitnikoff Award, he goes for 100 receptions for 1,593 yards. Um, in terms of his his film, um, he man, he is so fast. Like, just point A to point B. As soon as they snap the ball, I mean, he is he is gone, um, and he honestly reminds me a lot of Devonte Smith. Um, the size comparison, I think, is he looks like like Devonte Smith. His routes are really really clean, like like Devonte Smith. Um, I think he has some Jerry Judy vibes as well. Like, just his acceleration point A to point B is incredible. But what's more incredible is that. He can be running at 100% full acceleration, and he can cleanly break, you know, through his routes, and it just looks effortless. Like he creates separation so easily because of his speed and and route running. He's a guy that you can plug into an NFL offense um, immediately, and because of his route running, he's somebody that that can contribute right away. Um, you're you're gonna hear throughout the process people complaining about his size. You know he's 170 pounds. He's thin, like he's he's really skinny. Um, I I don't know if he's big enough to play the outside in the NFL. Um, I think similar to Devonte Smith, he's probably somebody that ideally would be a number two on an NFL roster. Um, but I do think he has the talent to to be a one as well. So. I really, really, really like him. Um, he's got size concerns, like I said. I don't know if he can play the outside, but he's really good, and he's going to be productive right from the jump. Oh, man. Yeah, he looks awesome. I was just looking at a few uh, li- little videos of him, and he looks so good out there. 
And you mentioned that Dominator rating at 36.2% of his team's offense. I mean, that's that's really impressive to be able to put up numbers like that. So, I, I mean, I don't know. I'm definitely not the guy for rookie analysis, but he looks like... I, I think that the comp to Devonta Smith, like, it, it sounds really good to me because, you know, Devonta Smith, you could see, we've seen how much success he's been having this year when he's paired right alongside A.J. Brown, and he looks so good. You could totally see Jordan Addison pairing alongside someone similar and just being incredible out there on the field. For sure, yeah. If In single quarterback leagues, I would not shy away from taking him in the top four picks. Like, he's he's that good. Like, he's – and I think he's the most NFL-ready. Like, he, he's just – He's going to put up big numbers his, his rookie season, especially if he hits a good landing spot. I like it. All right. Well, we're just going to take a short break. We'll come back to you in a few minutes to uh, carry on with our next segment. All right. And we are back with the uh, second half of our podcast. Took a little bit of a break there. Took care of a few things. Got an update on the game. Tyler, how are we doing on the game? 18-zip Cowboys. And the uh, our good old kicker is having quite the game. He's missed both PATs and a field goal. Congratulations. Guy's got the yips. I know, right? My goodness. I'm not one of those guys that's like anti-kicker or whatever, but at the same time, I just, <laughs> I just shake my head sometimes. Like, I can't believe games are really decided by this. Yeah, well, I get the feeling that this game is not going to be lost by the kicker. I get the feeling that this game is going to be far enough away that the kicker is not going to make it that big of a difference. But you never know. We 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 saw what happened over in uh, Jacksonville this week, so say, who knows what's going to happen over fans. there. <laughs> Go ahead and cry me a river, Calvin. <laughs> Calvin, our uh, love, our you know, incredible leader is a. Chargers fan, and we get to give him crap every single playoff season for it. So, but how big of a Chargers it's, fan? It's is a beautiful he really? thing. He texted us saying that he's moved Justin Herbert out of his top five quarterbacks. Good heavens, Calvin! Have a backbone. I don't know if I could uh, move Herbs out of the top five quite yet. He's he's so good, and you know he had he had an injured season, but he's not ready to be moved out of the top five. Um, all right, let's talk about our next segment. Um, let's talk a little bit about dynasty strategy. Um, so today I want to talk a little bit about roster construction. Uh, roster construction is a big thing because it looks different in the in season versus the off season. Uh, your roster construction can win you games. It can very easily lose you games. Um, and it's where your value uh, actually comes in and helps you win a championship. So let's talk about it. So some of the common misconceptions about roster construction is you say, all right, um, I need to, you know, say you're in your startup draft. It's the very beginning of your league. No one has any players yet. You randomize the order and say you're pick 105. So the first five guys go off the board, and then you're looking at yourself. You say, okay, I'm going to grab a quarterback. If you're in a super flex, that's probably a good idea. 
then the next round rolls around. You're in the second round, and you say, all right, I have a quarterback. What are my other needs? And so you say, all right, I have a, I have a wider, there's a wide receiver need. So you pick up a wide receiver. Then you go to the third round. You say, all right, what don't I have yet? I, I could use a running back. So you grab a running back. And then you go through, and all of your starting positions are full. And then you decide you're going to start grabbing some backups, and you move on. Uh, this is one of the easiest mistakes to make when you start doing dynasty and when you start doing even just fantasy football in general. Tyler, what did I miss here? What's what went wrong with my draft? Well, especially in a super flex league, the issue that you're going to run into is that your second quarterback, the quarterback that you're going to play in that super flex slot is going to be really really weak. Like by the time you filled all the other positions and you get back to filling that that slot you're going to be left with i mean who knows what you, not a lot to say the least um sometimes you need to look at things and realize that there's scarcity in, at some positions like like quarterback for example if if you don't get two say in the top 15 quarterbacks you're going to be in big trouble in a super flex league so if you take your first quarterback and then wait seven more rounds to take your next one you're, you're going to be in trouble and your your roster construction is all out of whack oh you're you're right on the money there and what i want to really hammer on is that when we're doing our dynasty drafts we're drafting for value um and that is it we're drafting only for value and we're not drafting for guys that are going to fill a spot on your roster because your roster isn't going yet, especially this time of the year. We're not drafting because, you know, say you have two really solid running backs. You're not going to go ahead and draft a wide receiver because that's what matches with your team the best. You're going to draft whoever's going to bring the biggest value to your team. And so when you're in your drafts, you're not drafting uh, just based off of starting positions. You're drafting guys who are going to bring huge value to your team and that they're going to uh, win you games down the road. And then when it's time to actually fill those roster spots, guess what? If you have the guys who have those huge value, you can trade for your needs and you can fill your holes in your roster by uh, using cashing in on all that value you had. And I actually wanted to use a few real-life examples from that. So I have our rookie draft. So this isn't the startup draft. This is the rookie draft from this last year pulled up. The way that we did this was really kind of fun. So we all had an arbitrary amount of dollars. We all gave ourselves $100 to have an auction for these rookie picks. And we were allowed to trade our actual players for dollars from another team. So we, we, there, were, there were a lot of really fun trades that went around. But just diving into it. So the 101, I actually had the 101, and I unsurprisingly picked Brees Hall. Um, and then it was up to Trent uh, with the 102. Trent grabbed Jamison Williams. And then Ryan at the 103 grabbed Traylon Burks. So keep in mind, this was a little while ago. This was, I think, spring of last year. When when would, did we do this draft? Oh, wait, no, this, yeah, this was, this this was late mid, summer, wasn't it? Mid to late summer, yeah. Yeah. So... When we're looking at this, a few ideas just jump right off the bat to a, to me here. Um, is that 
uh, Ryan at pick 103. You know, we promised Ryan that we would roast you a little bit more on this podcast. So I'm going to roast your pick here where you grab Traylon Burks at the 103. Now, Traylon Burks isn't a bad receiver uh, by any means. He's a good he's a good receiver. But if you compare him to the class of people who are right next to him, so you compare him to Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, even Jamison Williams, I don't think that there's any way that you could rank him higher than some of those other guys or that you could even say that his range of outcomes uh, at that point in time was as high as some of these other dudes. Um, and so boom roasted Tyler or boom roasted Ryan. It's a bad pick. <laughs> no, you know, I, I'll yeah, even Tyler, add, you, to that, like, add to that. Like, I, I was really, really high on Traylon Burks last, this last off season. I, I don't hate, I guess I don't hate that spot for him, except for the fact that he still had Kenneth Walker on the board as well. Um, I do think that was a bit of a reach. Um, in my opinion, the, the even bigger reach was at the 102, um, none other than Hood Nation taking Jameson Williams. Um, he was com- He's coming off an ACL tear, and you're drafting him above, like you said, Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Traylon Burks, Kenneth Walker. Um, I don't know if he felt like he needed a wide receiver. I don't know what hype video he saw on Twitter of Jamison Williams. But in my opinion, that, I, that, was a, that was a big, big, big reach. And, and if you're just talking about straight value, like just trying to get the most value out of every pick, there was no way that Jamison Williams was going to accrue value as he went through the season because he wasn't going to play. He tore his ACL. Like he was going to yeah. flatline it at best in terms of value up until he played. That, that in my opinion, is an even bigger woof in in last year's draft, and it's it's a, another good example. I think both of them really are good examples of of reaching when you should have just took the greater value. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, both of those were kind of odd picks, if you ask me, and you know I think that. Right now, those are those are coming back to bite Trent and Ryan because I think they would they would give probably another first round pick for any of the other guys drafted here in the first round, and they can, I, there's no way they can get most of these guys. Um, and then someone I want to highlight, someone I, I really want to shout out. This was an incredible draft for a Mister uh, Calvin uh, Call Me Hobbs ended up grabbing in the fifth pick. He grabbed Garrett Wilson who was a great value at that spot. He had been going in the 10, somewhere in between the 102 to 105, and he ended up grabbing him at the 105, and I really liked that. And then he got to his second pick, which was the 107, and you know this is where I was talking a little bit about roster construction, where someone who was heavy on filling their starting spots might say, ah, oh, James Cook is there, Damian Pierce is there, Trey McBride is around... Rashad White, Tyler Algier, like these were all good guys because he already picked a good wide receiver. So why why do you need a good wide receiver for your second pick? And you know what he did? He picked the best wide receiver off the board. He picked the best player off the board. And that's the way you win these drafts is you always pick the best player who's available. And we're seeing that Calvin ended up using these guys to trade and get huge win-now players I think that he ended up swapping in some of these guys for Austin Eckler 
And, you know, he didn't win the championship, but he gave himself every chance that he could to win the championship. And you got to applaud that. You know, that, that that's how you really win Dynasty is you say, all right, let's get that value. And then when it's time, let's trade that value in for these guys who are really going to rack up the points and put me into this next tier of uh, fantasy team. That's a great, great strategy. And it, it's what everybody should be doing in Dynasty. Like, there is a time to worry about filling roster spots, but now is not the time. And what, especially during the offseason and also when you're rebuilding, I would encourage you to go after value, like Austin said. Just go after as much value as you can possibly get onto your roster. And when it's time to cash in, and it's time to go and fill your, your positions of weakness on your roster. The more value you have, the better. You'll be able to make a, a better roster that has a chance to go and win a championship if you'll approach it in that way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's see. Did I have any other ideas to add in? No, that's it. It's time to uh, dive into our next Oh No, He Didn't segment. Oh, no, he didn't. Ryan got roasted last week. That was so much fun. And I want to talk about a couple of trades in another league of mine this week. I want to get your opinion on them, Austin. So here comes the, oh, no, he didn't. Now, let me just say, I pulled these two trades from a league that's not affiliated with Experts and Idiots, so I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to drag somebody through the mud that that had no idea this was coming. But I want to start with a trade that I actually pulled off in another league of mine. I want to get your your opinion of it. All right. So I had Mike Evans on on one roster. Um, And in in this particular league, I'm a rebuilding roster. I tanked. Maybe not quite as hard as you. You I wasn't like pulling players and leaving spots empty like – some people do when they tank. But nonetheless, yeah, I tanked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I tanked, okay. I got the 102 in that league. Um, so coming when it got close to playoff time, there was another gentleman in our league who – he was a playoff team. He was desperate to, to fill some voids in, on his roster. I had Mike Evans on my team. He messaged me, hey, what do you want for Mike Evans? Um we went back and forth a little bit. I ended up getting Marquise Brown, the a second round pick in this year's draft, and a third round pick in this year's draft. So Marquise Brown, a second and a third. That second ended up being a high second. I believe it's the 202 in that league for Mike Evans. What's your initial thoughts of this trade? So let's just go over the whole thing. So it was Mike Evans plus... Who else was in this trade one more time? That's it. It was Mike Evans it was straight, straight up, up for Marquise Brown, a second and a third. Ooh. You know what? For a, a roster that's rebuilding, I think that's a brilliant trade. And, you know, there, there's, a, there's a couple of reasons why. Mike Evans, he's still really good. He's still at the, you know, right between, right kind of like a high-end wide receiver to He's, he's going to be really good for the next couple of years, and he, he provides value to a team. But the guys that you got out of that trade, if you ask me, are, they're going to provide long-term value 
to your team for the next three or four seasons at the very minimum. Marquise Brown is probably going to be the wide receiver one for his team next year. DeAndre Hopkins probably ain't sticking around. And then those two picks that you got are only going to accumulate in value. And so you got, I, honestly, I think that's a, it's a great trade depending on the team situation. If you were a win now team and you pulled the same trade, I'd hit you off on the top of the head because I'd say, what are you doing? You got you to gotta get those points right now. Right, and I guess my whole thing when I looked at this trade, I, I was shocked. Like I said, I told him, okay, uh, how about Marquise Brown and some picks? Thinking he'd be like, okay, I'll give you Marquise Brown and maybe like a 25 third or something. <laughs> and then he's like, oh, how about Marquise Brown a second and a third? Smashed it. And here's the reason why. One, yeah. when Marquise Brown got injured this season, he was the wide receiver five overall in fantasy. Mike Evans is going to finish somewhere right in the, the low teens this year. Um, why, Mike Evans is also 29 years old. Marquise Brown um, has years in front of him. What is he, 26 right now? He's pretty young. Uh, let me pull it up, and I'll, I'll tell you for sure just how old Marquise Brown is. But, yeah, I, I really see your point where Marquise Brown being the wide receiver five on the season, until, I think he had an injury, and then I think DeAndre Hopkins came on the scene. So right. I can tell you right now, injuries, they're fluky. You never know when they're going to happen. And it's a good bet when people say that a guy's injured and so they deflate someone's value, that's a good time to, snap, to, to snart, uh, start grabbing that player. And right. so I think, you know, honestly, even Marquise Brown for Mike Evans straight up might not be a bad trade. That's I think that still would have been a good trade on both sides. That that was my philosophy. Marquise Brown just pulled this up. He's 25 years old. Oh, so man. you get a four-year discount to get a player who, when he was healthy, was outperforming Mike Evans anyways in a situation where he's going to be the wide receiver one on a really high-powered offense for the next – three, four, five years. Um, I just want to pull up a little bit of data for you. So in the last 20 years, do you know how many wide receivers who are 30 years old and older finished as a wide receiver one? So we're talking top 12. How many 30-year-old wide receivers? What, what percentage? We're saying in the last 10 years? Sorry, the last 20 years. 20 years. Holy crap. So, so what percentage of the guys that finished as a top 12 were over the age of 30? Yep. Ah. And I, I mean, you have to assume it's low. I, I'm trying to think about anyone off the top of my head who I know did it. And at least in the three years or four years that I've been heavy into fantasy, I can't think of a single name. I'd, I'd have to say like 5% maybe. You're not far off. In the last 20 years, only 21% of wide receiver one seasons came by somebody who was 30-year-old or older. And it gets even more skewed if you go to 31 and 32. You get down to like 9%. Interesting. Now, Mike Evans is currently 29. He's going to be 30 going into next season. I would bet he's not going to be a wide receiver one the rest of his career. Like, he may put up good enough numbers to be a wide receiver two, maybe a wide receiver three. But he's also on an offense where the quarterback, Tom Brady, is probably not going to be around much longer. I, 
he's not a guy I'm I'm willing to bet on long term because of his age. But when you factor in the situation, I'm I'm completely out on Mike Evans. Like that was a smash trade, and in my opinion, the guy who wanted Mike Evans and was desperate enough to give me Marquise Brown a second and a third. Oh no, he didn't. No, no, sir. I, th I think that is a oh no he didn't moment to bring up, and, and I, I think that you really what really beat that trade handily, and I, I gotta gotta applaud you on that one, man. That's a good one. Now, I want to give you one more example of a trade. Same league, in fact, same manager. Only about a week later, pulls off the following trade. He picks up Devonte Adams, which look, Devonte Adams is insane. Like I, nobody's going to deny that. But here's what he had to give to get Devontae Adams. Kadarius Toney, two firsts, and a second to pick oh, up Devontae Adams. Do you know how old Devontae Adams is right now? I think he's pretty old, isn't he? He's 30. He's going to be 31 going into next season. And if you, if you look at the data, and by the way, this data, sh shout out to, to Marvin, I think it's Eloquin at Fantasy Footballers. He's the one that, that put this data together. Somebody who's 31 years and older, you're looking at a 15% chance that he's a wide receiver one next year. Boy. That's not a bet I'm willing to take. Like, especially to give two first, a second, and Tony. Oh, man. I, he's going to be in trouble long term. Yeah, honestly, that's that's scary data looking at right there. That's something where you 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 start panicking, you start you know sending out trying to get whatever you can for these guys. Absolutely. So, the lesson of the day, and oh no, he didn't, is age matters in dynasty. I I get it. If you're playing redraft, like go get Devontae Adams, have at go go get Mike Evans, make your playoff run in dynasty. If those are the kind of trades you're making, you're you're way too focused on the here and now, and it's it's gonna bite you in the butt in the long run. So, there's my addition of oh no he didn't. I like it. I like it. All right, we ready for our final segment of the week? Let's see it. All right, I I was kind of excited about this one. I didn't put anything in the comments, but today I wanted to talk about the namesake of the taxi squad dynasty pod and i wanted to talk a little bit about taxi squads um so for all of our faithful listeners out there who don't know what a taxi squad is who there's probably maybe two or three people out there because i don't think that we have that many listeners quite yet but in uh our dynasty leagues when you're drafting your team you're going to draft people to fill all of your starting spots. You're going to draft a certain number of bench players. You're going to draft uh, people. I, I guess so you're, you're filling all those spots. And then in your first league, or sorry, whenever you do your rookie draft, you're able to draft a certain number of players to be on your, on your taxi squad. Now, these taxi squad players, they only, so when you put them on there, they are going to, be on there for the rest of your season until you promote them from the taxi squad into the roster of your uh, team. But once you promote them, you lost that extra spot and you can't get it back. So I thought it'd be fun to go into a few good, effective uh, taxi squads from our league 
and to dive into a few taxi squads that may be a little underutilized in our league and talk about how we can better use this tool to our success. Uh, Tyler, what's your strategy with taxi squads? What do you like to do? What, how do you uh, make your team better by using the taxi squad? Well, there's a couple ways that I like to approach it. One is that we've talked about this before, but the value of, of picks, especially first-round picks, is immense. Like You can go and get stud players if you can just hang on to your first-round picks. And if you can go out and trade for excess picks, what the taxi squad allows you to do is you can draft a whole bunch of players, stick them in the taxi squad, wait for them to break out, wait for them to become fantasy relevant, and then promote them to your roster. So the way I like to approach Dynasty, um, especially in on a team that's rebuilding, is I want to acquire as many picks as possible, uh, preferably first-round picks, um, and then I can just stick those guys in my taxi squad. It doesn't affect my roster construction. It, I don't have to cut guys. Um, while I wait for, for these rookies to break out, I'll just throw them in the taxi squad, let it rip. Once they once they break out and I'm ready to, to actually play them, promote them, and, and, and cut somebody else off the roster at that point. But in my opinion, the biggest thing that allows me to do is acquire as many draft picks as possible in a rebuild. Yeah, I love that. And you know what? That's one of the underrated things about roster construction is that you can – only have a you have a finite number of spots for actual players on your roster. You have a certain number of starters, certain number of bench players. Some teams you have an injured reserve for people who are in IR status. You can have a taxi squad, but then you're done after that. You're capped. There's no other space to put another player on your team. But you can have a theoretically unlimited number of draft picks. You could have as many as you want. We don't cap ourselves on that. And so when we talk about good places to store value in your teams, you know, this last season, everyone loves to call me the tank master general, and I'm happy to own that title. I uh, I tanked so hard that my my basement flooded, is uh, <laughs> the way that Logan put it the other day on the, on the pod. And uh, I tanked so hard that I ended up getting four first-round picks for this next season. Um, and there's a reason why that really matters. And one of those big reasons, like Tyler said, is that the taxi squad makes it so that I can end up keeping most of these players where normally I would have had to drop four guys from my roster at the beginning of next season, just in order to hang on to these rookies or in, in a, to be able to play with, you know, putting guys into spots, taking them out of spots. Uh, sleeper will lock your team if you have too many players and you have to drop a few guys before you're able to keep uh, playing. So the taxi squad is really a beautiful thing because it allows you to just have as many or to really get the value out of as many rookie picks as you want. And you end up having to drop just a just a small number of players and it ends up making it a uh, really valuable tool for fantasy. So I wanted to look at a few taxi squads and I wanted to talk about um how they looked and i wanted to have you rate them out of 10 uh as just attractiveness and what you what you think about these taxi squads are you ready for this attractiveness what are you trying to say At about me austin attract how much do you we, like the we, look we, my gosh. <laughs> of these taxi squads come on man <laughs> okay, yeah maybe okay, not attractiveness maybe maybe just strategy let's let's put it there let's call it let's call it strategy so let's start with our guy who won the league our very own 
NF Huskies. And you know what? I think it'd be fun to actually clear the, clear this up. I talked to Scott the other day. NF Huskies stands for North Fremont Huskies. Wow. Yeah, I know. I hope everyone's listening to this because I've never heard a guy get roasted as much as Scott does for the name <laughs> of his team. Everyone's always thought that it was NFL Huskies. Just, I just thought it'd be worth our time to clear up that it's NF Huskies, standing for North Fremont. I love it. Yeah. Um, so anyway, so let's let's look. Do you have the app pulled up right now? Yep, I do. All right, so check out his team. Check out his uh, taxi squad, and uh, what what just jumps right off the right right off the screen at you? Am I on the right league? Because I see nothing in his taxi squad. You're in the exact right league, and <laughs> I think that there's a couple of reasons why this matters, that he has nobody in his taxi squad. So looking at his team, he's got some valuable players. He's got guys that are filling spots, that are scoring in points, and you'll notice he, he doesn't have a single player on his taxi squad. What that tells me is that he had some either really, really good rookies, like incredibly good, that they were better than the rest of his players, or he ended up promoting his rookies a little bit too early. I'm looking at a few guys, specifically Romeo Dobbs may have been a little, promoted a little bit too early. And, uh, you know, you could argue that Tyler Algier, Tyler Algier actually had a really strong end of season. Um, but there's a few guys that may not have been promoted when uh, their time was coming around. All right, let's look, let's look at another one. So... Now we're going to uh, go into your taxi squad. So pull up your own team. Oh Let's check it oh out. No. Okay, I've got Kyron Williams and Snoop Connor in my taxi squad. All right. So uh, what's your plan for those guys? What do you think is going to end up happening with them? Well, honestly, I'm not sure if either of these two guys are necessarily really fantasy viable. Kyron's got a little bit of run this season. I haven't seen Snoop Connor at all. Um, but the point is, is I, I picked up guys that had a chance to play. They didn't, so I left them on my taxi squad. Um, I actually traded away most of my picks last summer in this league. Um, so I, I didn't have a ton of picks, but the guys I did have, I stuck them in the taxi squad. I left them there, and, and that was that. I, I didn't promote them because I didn't need them, and and we'll, we'll see what, what draft picks I make this year and, and refill it. Yeah, and they'll, they'll probably honestly end up getting dropped after this season, right? Yep. Yeah, honestly, I think that this is a perfect use of the taxi squad because um, even if you don't have draft picks, which I think that I went through and you didn't draft a single player in this last, last right. draft, right? Yep. So even if you don't have draft picks, you can still use your taxi squad to pick up these dudes who they have a way, they have a chance to become relevant. But the chances aren't that good. It's not. It's not a, a perfect opportunity, and then these guys can end up becoming really valuable in the long term, or you can cut them and you can have no uh, effect to your roster size or anyone else on your team. And so it ends up becoming a really useful tool. Tool. Absolutely. Yeah. I. I, I think that that's the strategy. Is you're, whether you're drafting, whether you just pick up rookies. The point is stick them in the taxi squad, let them marinate see what happens don't promote them too early um but yeah i i, I love the tech I, I absolutely love the taxi squad it, it's a great tool if you know how to use it yeah i totally agree man all right 
I think that's uh, that's all our content we got for you. And it sounds like Tyler's kids are ready for his attention. So that is all we have for you from our Taxi Squad Dynasty Pod today. What are your what are your final words, Tyler? My final and- words are: be patient, continue to listen, and we're going to teach you how to win your championship in this upcoming year. Very excited. Thank you again, Austin. The content is amazing. I love doing this podcast. Me too, man. It's all about winning in the long term. That's where we're all, that's Absolutely. what we're all about here. All right. Enjoy your lives everybody. Peace. See ya.